So, hmm, we're looking at a new chapter in the Bhagavatam. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So Chapter 4, Canto 6. Prescribed duties for mankind. Chapter 4. The Hamsaguya prayers offered to the Lord by Prajapati Daksha. After Maharaj Pariksit appealed to Sukadev Goswami to describe in further detail the creation of the living entities within this universe, Sukadev Goswami informed him that when the Prachetas, the ten sons of Prachini Bahi, entered the sea to execute austerities, the planet Earth was neglected because of the absence of a king. Naturally, many weeds and unnecessary trees grew, and no food grains were produced. Indeed, all the land became like a forest. <coughs> when the temperatures came out of the sea and saw the entire world full of trees, they were very angry with the trees and decided to destroy them all to rectify the situation. Thus, the Prachetas created wind and fire to burn the trees to ashes. Soma, however, the king of the moon and the king of all vegetation, forbade the Prachetas to destroy the, the trees, since the trees are the source of fruit and flowers for all living beings. Just to satisfy the Prachetas, Soma gave them a beautiful girl born of Pramlocha Asara. By the semen of all the Prachetas, Daksha was born of that girl. So Daksha is the son of the Prachetas. Interesting. In the beginning, Daksha created all the demigods, demons and human beings, but when he found the population not increasing properly, he took Sanyas <laughs> and went to Vindhya Mountain, where he underwent severe austerities and offered Lord Vishnu <clears throat> a particular prayer known as Hamsaguya, by which Lord Vishnu became very pleased with him. The contents of the prayer were as follows. 
The Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Super Soul, Lord Hari, is the controller of both the living entities and the material nature. He is self-sufficient and self-effulgent. As the subject matter of perception is not the cause of our perceiving senses, so the living entity, although within his body, does not cause his eternal friend, the super soul, who is the cause of creation and of the senses. Because of the living entity's ignorance, his senses are engaged with material objects. Since the living entity is alive, he can understand the creation of this material world to some extent, but he cannot understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is beyond the conception of the body, mind and intelligence. Nevertheless, great sages who are always in meditation can see the personal form of the Lord within their hearts. Since an ordinary living being is materially contaminated, his words and intelligence are also material. Therefore, he cannot ascertain the Supreme Personality of Godhead by manipulating his material senses. The conception of God derived through the material senses is inaccurate <clears throat> because the Supreme Lord is beyond the material senses. But when one engages his senses in devotional service, the eternal Supreme Personality of Godhead is revealed on the platform of the soul. When that Supreme Godhead becomes the aim of one's life, one is said to have attained spiritual knowledge. The Supreme Brahman is the cause of all causes because he originally existed before the creation. He is the original cause of everything, both material and spiritual, and his existence is independent. However, the Lord has a potency called avidya, the illusory energy which induces the false arguer to think himself perfect and which induces the illusory energy to bewilder the conditioned soul. <clears throat> that supreme Brahman, the super soul, is very affectionate to his devotees. To bestow mercy upon them, he discloses his form, name, attributes and qualities to be worshipped within this material world. Unfortunately, however, those who are materially absorbed worship various demigods. As the air passes over a lotus flower and carries the scent of the flower with it, or as the air sometimes carries dust and therefore assumes colours, the Supreme Personality of Godhead appears as the various demigods according to the desires of his various foolish worshippers. But actually... He is the Supreme Truth, Lord Vishnu. To fulfil the desires of his devotees, he appear, appears in various incarnations and therefore there is no need to worship the demigods. Being very satisfied by the prayers of Daksha, Lord Vishnu appeared before Daksha with eight arms. The Lord was dressed in yellow garments and had a blackish complexion. Understanding was very eager to follow the path of enjoyment the Lord awarded him the potency to enjoy the illusory energy the Lord offered him the daughter of Panchajana named Aksikni who was suitable for Maharaj Daksha to enjoy in sex indeed Daksha received his name because he was very expert in sex life 
After awarding this benediction, Lord Vishnu disappeared. Okay. Sri Raja Uvacha. Devasura Nrinam Sargo. Naganam Rigapakshinam. Samasikas Twaya Procto. Yastu Swayam Tare. Tasyaiva Vyasamitschami. Gatum te Bhagavanyata Anusargam Yaya Saktya Sasaja Bhagavan Paraha Sri Rajovacha Devasura Ninam Sargo Naganam Riga Pakchinam Samasikastvaya procto Yastu svayam buvintare Tasyaiva vyasam itschami Gatum te bhagavanyata Anusargam yaya saktya Sasaja Bhagavan Paraha Sri Rajavacha Devasura Nrinam Sargo Naganam Rigapakchinam Samasikastvaya Procto Yastu Svayam Bhuvintare Tasya eva vyasamit chami Gyatum te bhagavan yata Anusargam yaya saktya Sasarja bhagavan paraha Sri Rajuvacha The king said Deva Asura Nrinam of the demigods, the demons, and the human beings, Sargaha, the creation, Naganam of the Nagas, serpentine living entities, Mrigapakshinam of the beasts and birds. Samasikaha, briefly, Twaya, by you, Proktaha, described, Yaha, which, to, however, Swayambuve, of Swayambuvamanu, Antare, within the period, Tasya, of this, Eva, indeed, Vyasam, the detailed account, it's Chami, I wish, Gyatum, to know, Te, 
from you. Bhagavan, O oh my Lord, Yata, as well as Anusargam, the subsequent creation. Yaya, by which Shaktya, potency, Sasaraja, created Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Padaha, transcendental. The Blessed King said to Sukadeva Goswami, My dear Lord, the demigods, demons, human beings, nagas, beasts and birds were created during the reign of Svayambhuva Manu. You have spoken about this creation briefly in the third canto. Now I wish to know about it elaborately. I also wish to know about the potency of the Supreme Personality of Godhead by which he brought about the secondary creation. Uh, text number three, Sudha Goswami said, O great sages, assembled at Namisharanya. After the great yogi Sukadeva Goswami heard King Parikshit's inquiry, he praised it and thus replied. Text four, Sukadeva Goswami said, When the ten sons of Prachini Bahi emerged from the waters in which they were performing austerities, they saw that the entire surface of the world was covered by trees. Purport. When King Prachini Bahi was performing Vedic rituals in which the killing of animals was recommended, Naramuni, out of compassion, advised him to stop. Prachini Bahi understood Narada properly and then left the kingdom to perform austerities in the forest. His ten sons, however, were performing austerities within the water and therefore there was no king to see to the management of the world. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> when the ten sons, the Prachetas, came out of the water, they saw that the earth was overrun with trees. When the government neglects agriculture, which is necessary for the production of food, the land becomes covered with unnecessary trees. Of course, many trees are useful because they produce fruits and flowers but many other trees are unnecessary. They could be used as fuel and the land cleared and used for agriculture. When the government is negligent, less grain is produced. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 18, text 44, Kushi go raksha vani jyam, vaisya karmas vabhava jam. The proper engagement for vaisyas according to their nature, are to farm and to protect cows. The duty of the government and the Chhatris is to see that the members of the third class, the Vaishyas, who are neither Brahmanas nor Chhatris, are thus properly engaged. Chhatris are meant to protect human beings, whereas Vaishyas are meant to protect useful animals, especially cows. Hmm. Oma Jnana Timirandasya Gyananjana salakaya chakchurun litam jena tasmaye shri kurve namaha shri chaitanya manobhishtam stapitam jena bhutale svayam rupakada mahiyam dadatitva padantikam mukam karoti vachalam pangum langayate garim yadkripa tamaham bande shri gurum dinatarinam
So um, the um, social order or social structure is likened to the body. And so just as the body has a head, arms, torso, legs, so similarly also the, the social body has head, arms, torso and legs. And just as our body, in order to exist or function properly, requires cooperation, coordination and cooperation. Usually the coordination comes from the head, right? <clears throat> With a bit of heart also. <laughs> Not just all head, there has to be some heart. And uh, uh, the arms and the, 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 the trunk of the body and the legs have their functions also. So similarly, the... the the uh, brahmanas, chatras, vaishyas and sudras correspond to the uh, head, arms, torso and legs of the, of the social body. And so <coughs> there needs to be cooperation. There needs to be an understanding of, of their existence and of their relationship. Right? You know, unfortunately, we're living in a society where there's no even basic understanding of some of these principles. Uh, but this is, <clears throat> this, this, and, and this is a very simple uh, concept with, with great consequences, really, with, with very, very deep consequences. The, the Vana Ashram principle, which divides up the... The, the you know the the social order and the uh, the ashrama the, you know one's occupational duties and one's social duties are, are delinea delineated very simply in a vana ashram system vana meaning occupation and ashram meaning one's station in life. And, and, you know, there's an understanding in, in a Vedic culture. Tehinos minyate yata dehe ko maram yovanam jura. You know, very, very simple concepts, actually. But who knows them in this day and age, right? Bhagavad Gita gives us very simple concepts right from the beginning. And this is common knowledge, meant to be common knowledge. Everybody's supposed to know this. Yet we're living in a culture, in a society where nobody knows it. Or if you try to point it out to them, it's like, ooh, <laughs> too hard to understand. Right? But these are very basic, simple concepts. They're not very complicated at all. But of course, have Im you know, immense uh, consequences, ramifications for those who understand them. <clears throat> because the understanding is... <clears throat> The understanding is, you know, life has a purpose and it's not just a material purpose because it's not just a material 
creation, that it's a combination. There's the chit, the, 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 the chit shakti and the achit shakti, right? That makes up, you know, there's the conscious and the unconscious, simply put. Actually, many of these concepts, actually, they're not very difficult to comprehend. But, as I said, ramifications, enormous, right? because they change, they change the culture. They change the uh, focus of action and the purpose of action and, and the, uh, the focus of effort and the purpose of effort. Whereas, you know, if, you, if, if you're living in a society uh, like the, the one that we're embedded in, then the focus is generally on material pursuits. And, and there's a forgetfulness, a deep forgetfulness of, of one's identity, one's proper understanding of self, right? The self is... What is it? Uh, Ahama meiti. I and mine. Aham, I and mum, me. Ahama meiti, I and mine. Based on a material conception of life. And, and, uh, uh, you know, the reason for the Varnashram system is to have a Brahminical culture. And, of course, the Brahminical culture is one where the focus is on spiritual education along with material education. Not that we do away, you know, it's a false understanding that we give up material education. We don't. But we add the active ingredient. Just like, you know, the body is just dull, dead matter without the presence of the soul, right? If there's no soul, what have you got? Nothing. It's dead. Right. So the uh, Varnashrama system ensures that there's a Brahminical culture, ideally, if it's Daivi Varnashram, and that that Brahminical culture is meant to teach, and it's the most valuable thing, right? the most valuable thing is... A, having a proper understanding of spiritual identity. Huh? And, and, and this is the whole culture. The whole culture stems from this cultivation of a spiritual understanding called uh, Amnaya Tattva or, or what we call the Parampara. Uh, Essential learning, essential information. <clears throat> and these very basic things are taught. You know, what is a, what is a Vaishya supposed to do? What is a Chatriya supposed to do? What's a Brahmana supposed to do? What's a Sudra supposed to do? Basic, these basic things are outlined. And how to identify the qualifications is mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita. Right? Here Prabhupada quotes. Krishi Gorakshavani Jam, Vaishya Karmas for Bhava Jam. And there's also the qualities of a Brahmana. 
Actually, the most definition is given to the Brahmanas in the Bhagavad Gita, right? Samaudamastapaso cham chantiyam arjumam evacha gyanam vigyanam astikyam brahma kamas vabhava jam. The qualifications for the Brahmanas and the, uh, the qualifications of the Chatriyas. Um, which I can't remember. I've never, never actually bothered to learn. I got as far as the Brahminical qualities and thought that was enough. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, simple, but also um, uh, sublime. So the the this this transference or this uh, distribution of knowledge is an essential element in in this culture, and that distribution of knowledge is through the parampara, right? Through the parampara. This is called this, this is. A, um, this is the first of the Dasamula Tattva presented by Bhaktivinoda Thakur. That the, uh, the, the one's spiritual identity, one's, the, the spiritual source of everything, which is ultimately Krishna, huh? Ishvaraha Sava, uh, what is it? Uh, Ishvaraha Parama Krishna Satchit Ananda Vigraha. Krishna is the cause of all causes. The, 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 the Ishwaraha, Parama, the supreme controller, with a Satchitananda, with a spiritual body, with a spiritual form, which is ordinarily very, 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 very far away. Right? So far away that you you know even if you decide, Prabhupada explains, uh, Lord Brahma explains, even if you travelled at the speed of mind, right, it would still take you still wouldn't get there, right? Uh, Prabhupada makes a point. You know, you, you could be thinking, I'm in Melbourne, but then you could be thinking, oh, what about my hometown, in wherever it happens to be. And then instantly you're taken to that place by the mind. That's the speed at which the mind travels, right? And even though that is a very, it's, it's very far, still you can't travel to the spiritual world. <clears throat> so this is the, you know, the, the spiritual world is so far away. Krishna is so far away. Yet the parampara system is such that it brings that which is very far away and unreachable by material means. Right? Because the spiritual realm and our spiritual identity is not of the material world, it can't be approached by material efforts. This is the point. It's beyond material. Yet, the... Parampara system teaches us how we can bring that which is very, very far away right up close so that we're able to, you know, just like if I take my glasses off now, 
then all of you go very fuzzy. It's hard for me to work out. You don't even have any eyes or noses. <laughs> right? But yet when I put my glasses on, oh, all of a sudden I can see you do have a eyes and a nose and a mouth. Right? Yet when I look through my glasses, I don't actually feel like I'm looking through anything. Right? I just... I'm looking through my glasses and it feels normal. So this system is quite amazing and, and, and so very, very important. And why we worship the guru on his appearance day, right? Because the parampara system is designed in such a way so that what is ordinarily far, far away is, there, is, is, is attainable, is reachable, is approachable. And, and, and why we worship the spiritual master, because the spirit, and, and why the spiritual master is worshipable is because the spiritual master doesn't create anything new, right? Doesn't manufacture something or, you know, come up with something experimental or, 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 or um, novel. But rather, it's an old system. It's, it's time-honoured system. And the spiritual master is honoured on uh, this occasion because he's presenting the same information that Krishna himself presents, that Krishna uh, presents in the... Vedanta and the, the, and the Vedas, ultimately. Huh? And why we worship the spiritual master as the representative of Vyasadeva. Because that information, Vyasadeva compiled all of the Vedic literatures, which is, pretty, is Krishna's instructions. Huh? And the spiritual master presents Vyasadeva's teachings intact. No change, no adjustment, but simply handing down the same information, same information. <clears throat> so uh, this system, this time-honoured system is uh, very, very important. It's the essence of, of this culture. Um, and and why we worship the 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 spiritual master on his birthday as the representative of Vyasadeva and why we call it Vyasa Puja, right? In the Gaudiya tradition, you know, there's there's that Guru Purnima, Sanatan Goswami's appearance day, isn't it, or is it disappearance? Uh, can't can't remember. Uh, but Prabhupada says, we don't celebrate that Guru Purnima. We don't. We celebrate the worship of the Guru on his birthday. And on that day is when we worship Vyasadeva, him as the representative of Vyasadeva. Prabhupada says, there's the Mayavadis who worship the Guru on the Guru Purnima, but not the Vaishnavas. Keep that in mind. 
Although on that day we do worship Sanat and Goswami. <clears throat> because he's one of our gurus, obviously. So, uh, um, today is the uh, Vyasa Puja day of uh, Bhakti Sanasaswari Thakur, who obviously had a big impact on our lives, although not directly. Interestingly, not directly. Bhakti Siddhanta Sasvati Thakur uh, impacted our lives in that he was accepted as the spiritual master of our founder, Acharya, his, his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. And, you know, when Srila Prabhupada was, what, 23, was it? 23? When he was a young man, and he first met Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he was instructed to preach in English, in the English-speaking world. Uh, this was, and a, 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 keep in mind also that Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur didn't give this instruction to only one person. This was a common instruction that he gave many people. <clears throat> but Fortunately, at least, at least one of his disciples took it seriously. <laughs> right? And of course, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur <clears throat> you know, comes in a, in a, at a critical time, at, at a critical period of Vaishnav history, at a critical junction, because... Uh, Pretty much prior to he and Bhaktivinoda Thakur, there wasn't this broad acceptance of Lord Chaitanya's teachings and this notion that Krishna consciousness would be spread far and wide outside of India. Right? <clears throat> and... Uh, so Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur is a, a very special personality. Um, he was the fourth son of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, then at the time Kedaranath Datta, right, who was the magistrate of uh, Puri, right? And, and the magistrate of Puri is a powerful position. I mean, he was the head of the board of the, of the temple. Right? He was kind of like the temple president, I suppose. <laughs> He's a big position. <clears throat> well, maybe bigger than a temple president. You know. <clears throat> and... Um, when Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur was born, six months later there was a Rathiyatra. Well, sometime after there was a Rathiyatra and he was, the baby was born out uh, because the Rathkart had stopped outside their house. Right? And they, uh, because of uh, Bhakti Thakur's position, his wife was able to bring the baby out and put him at the feet of Lord Jagannath on the Rath. Right? 
And then right at that time, the garland of Jagannath fell off onto Bhakti Siddhanta Saswati Thakur, right? And so Prabhupada says this, is a, this was in the beginning an indication of the importance of Bhakti Siddhanta Saswati Thakur. And, uh, you know, he... he um, he um, was the ray of Vishnu prayed for by uh, uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, the empowered personality, because Bhaktivinoda Thakur had the vision. You know, he was really the, the seed, if you like, of the modern-day Krishna consciousness movement, Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He had the vision. He predicted that, you know, that the Western devotees would come to Mayapur and would chant in the Sankirtan party, right? Chant the name of Nittai Goranga, right? <clears throat> so Bhaktivinoda Thakur had the vision. Bhaktivinoda Thakur had the vision of an institution. He realised that it wasn't going to be one person who would establish a worldwide organisation. Or, or not, not, that it, not that one person wouldn't establish it, but that it, it needed to be managed by a, an institution, not you know, like a, a, an acharya and a mutt, that it would be much, much bigger than that. His vision was of a, of a, a spiritual organisation that would be made up of many people, <clears throat> so, and, and Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur gave that vision some form, right, in the formation of the Chaitanya Math, of the, of the, of, and, and, you know, he established 64 temples in, in India. You know, he showed the, what was possible within an organised, within, within, within a spiritual organisation. But of course, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati Thakur instructed his disciples to form a governing body after his departure, but they didn't have the, uh, they didn't have the vision, effectively. Right? They didn't have the vision that Bhaktivinoda that Thakur had that he'd passed on to his son and unfortunately Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur uh, uh, wasn't able to, or not that he wasn't able to, but his disciples weren't able to carry his instructions. And so after his departure, instead of forming a governing body, they appointed an acharya. Which, we, which he forbade them to do. Uh, but then, they, and then there was a squabble and, and the rest is history. Uh, and so it's very interesting when Srila Prabhupada established ISKCON, he made sure that very, well, relatively soon after he had many temples around the world, he established a governing body. Right, really, which is, which is again, 
following in the footsteps of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. The Prabhupada saw the mistakes that his god brothers had made, and you know he experienced the pain of that. Uh, um, disobedience, effectively, right? And because I didn't, Prabhupada said, because I didn't follow the order of their spiritual master, they became asara, right? Asara means useless, meaning they didn't understand the essence of his instruction. Sara means, you know, the essence. So they were they were they were out they were without the the essence or the the impetus that came from following the instructions of the spiritual master. <clears throat> so, uh, uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur demonstrated the, you know, the potency of an organised spiritual institution. However, you know, he... Uh, but it was, you know, it was a bit much for those... It was too much, actually, for his disciples to understand anything but an acharya as a leader of an organisation. It was too. Whereas Srila Prabhupada, our Srila Prabhupada, understood and was able to conceptualise and not only conceptualise but also put into place... Right? The wishes of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Bhakti, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, and, you know, and that's what we have within ISKCON. And it's proven to be a durable institution. We stick to Prabhupada's orders. So, um, uh, Today is an important day for us. Um, we can meditate on on uh, this parampara system, the importance of the parampara system, and the importance of following the order of the spiritual master, uh, especially uh, implicitly and explicitly. Understanding the, you know, the essence or the implications and then putting that into practice. Very, very important. Uh, yet remaining faithful to the tradition, not creating something new, but um, maintain, maintaining the dynamic, but not changing the dynamic, which is, it's not such an easy thing. You know, understanding the essence, the essential, the essence. And in one sense, you know, you could say, oh, you know, there's no mention of an institution within Shastra. So therefore it's something new, right? You could argue like that. But actually, no, it's not. The, the principle of organisation, of... Uh, uh, institutional structure is simply one of cooperation and working together, managing things in a way that's considerate 
an understanding of the needs of everyone and working cooperatively to meet those needs and certainly the spiritual needs of, 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 uh, of, of the community and, you know, following in the footsteps of the previous Acharyas. <clears throat> and for us, what does that mean? That means... Uh, Sankirtan, right? This is, that's, this is what we are. Sankirtan. Chanting Hare Krishna. And that means book distribution. Right? This, is our, this is our spiritual life. Of course, Chanting Hare Krishna means also japa, sadhana, Right? But basically distributing transcendental knowledge, giving mercy. Samsara dava nala lida loka. Right? Extinguishing the blazing fire of material existence by distributing transcendental knowledge. That's what it is. That's what the guru does. Right? And how does he do it? If you look at the guru vashtakam, very telling what's What's the next item after giving mercy to others? What's the next item in the, in the Guru Vashtakam? What is it? What's the next verse? Do you know the next verse, Haritam? You must. You do. You know. Mahaprabhu Kirtanan Gita. You heard that before? Yeah? Yeah, so you know it. What does it mean? Mahabrabho Kirtananritya Gita. What does it mean? You sing it every day, you better you should know it. Yes, goes out on Sangatan, chanting and dancing. Right? <clears throat> And he, yeah, sometimes experiences ecstasy in the process because he's relishing the mellows of bhakti. Huh? Then what? What comes next? Sankatan, and then what else after that? What's the third verse? Sri Vigrahara Dana Nityanana. Sringara Tanmandira Marginado. So all the deity worship. And this is what we do. This is this is what we do. Then what? After you've worshipped the deity, what do you do? What do you do after you've worshipped the deity? Chatu Vidha Sri Bhagavat Prashada. We take Prashadam. We go into the temp we go into the kitchen and pinch the maha. Right? <clears throat> so this is so critical. We should never never underestimate the importance of prashadam and quality prashadam. Prabhupada wrote a famous letter to all of the temples where he said you should have three cooks on standby at any time, twenty four hours a day, he says. Uh, this, is, this is the standard envisaged by Prabhupada. Uh, and so that if somebody comes, you already have some sabji on the stove, you know, just keep it warm, then you turn up the heat 
and then fire up the wok and cook the puris. Right? Can you imagine? If you came to the temple and as soon as you came to the temple and you had dasha and you came outside, then there was fresh sabji and puris for you. How would you feel? Pretty good. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Going back to that place. Huh? Even as it was, <clears throat> the first time I went to the temple, I had lunch and I thought, wow, I'm going to that place again. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, you know, these are very basic activities. Being merciful, giving transcendental knowledge, helping people relieve their material anxieties. And we do it with sankirtan. We do it with... Uh, the worship of the deities, and we do then, you know, prasadam distribution. This is essential, elementary, elementary for us. <clears throat> and, and that's what Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur gave us by instructing Srila Prabhupada go and preach in English to the, you know, to, the, to, to us. It's very touching, you know, to, to, to know that Srila Prabhupada came for us. And we're not qualified. Well, I'm not qualified. Huh? But Prabhupada came, you know, un underwent great austerity to leave Vrindavan, you know, the, the, the most sacred, blessed place on the planet, you know, the, the perfection, he'd already attained perfection. But he left that to, to come for us. It's like, whoa, it's amazing. Huh? So how much do we owe Prabhupada? And also owe Bhakti Siddhanta Sasvati Thakur because it was on his instruction that Prabhupada came. Right? His instruction, go and preach. And of course, you know, this is, this is Lord Chaitanya's mood. He was asking Haridas Thakur, how are we going to save these Malachas and Yavanas? Well, this is the mood of a devotee. He's not thinking about himself. And he's not thinking himself superior. He's worried. He's concerned. How can I alleviate the anxiety of Krishna? And what's Krishna's anxiety is for the welfare of all of the fallen living entities. That's his worry, his concern. He's not worried about the Brahmanas and the Vaishnavas that much because they're already liberated anyway. But he's concerned about the others, which is pretty amazing really when you think about it. Because, you know, most of them are no hopers anyway. And they've all turned their back on Krishna. So he could just as easily say, okay, all right, see you later. Right? But he doesn't. He doesn't give up on anybody, which is quite, you know, that's, that's just mind-blowing when you think about it. And so, you know, our appreciation for Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur is uh, magnified when we med meditate on the, you know, the ramifications of his um, presentation of the parampara, right, and, 
you know, it appears to be something new in one sense. We could say, oh, this doesn't look like the Baram Barah. This is something new. And, and, and institution, an organised institution, an international uh, effort. Ooh, we've never seen anything like that before. But actually it's not, any, it's not new. It's an extension of that compassion for others. It, and, and it's a, uh, it's a, um, it's, it's, it's symptomized in cooperation and coordination and collaboration of advanced devotees. Right? This is advancement, actually. That we put aside our own personal ambitions and we sacrifice our personal considerations and, and uh, desires, if you like, for the benefit of, of the whole, of the greater cause. And so this is actually not new. This is, this is highly advanced. This is the behaviour that you see in the gopis of Vrindavan. Or you see in the associates of Lord Chaitanya who got together to preach. You know, we see it in Lord Nichi, you know, Lord, Lord Nichinanda was, uh, uh, was coming to Jagannath Puri every year with the devotees to, to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It was, it was a highlight of their year, right, to go to Jagannath Puri and to participate in the, in the Sankirtan with Lord Chaitanya and to observe the Rathiyatra, right? Who wouldn't want to go, right? Who didn't go? If they didn't go, they felt themselves unfortunate, right? But Lord Chaitanya took Lord Nichinanda aside one year and said, I think you should stay back next year. Right? Out of his concern for the people who were missing out, he said to Lord Nichinanda, I think you should stay in Bengal and preach. Don't come to Jagannath Puri next year. So how would Lord Nichinanda and the devotees feel? Right? How would you Lord Chaitanya said, I don't think you should come next year. They went, what? Oh, heart will be broken. Right? But he put, that, he put his personal, and this is, a, this is a symptom of the Vaishnavas, Prabhupada, Bhaktisiddhanta Sasvari Thakur. They put aside their personal consideration, their personal well-being or their personal convenience, and... Uh, put themselves out for the benefit of others, others who are not even qualified in one sense. Right? Not qu they're qualified because, what is it? Patita pavana hetu tava avatar. Your purpose is to save the fallen, right? Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu doya koro more, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, it, ISKCON appears to be something new, but actually it's not. It's fully authorised by the Parampara because it's an example of advanced devotees 
coming together to cooperate, to plan, to scheme, to uh, strategize how to save the conditioned souls from their burning in the material world, basically, right? Samsara, Dava, Nala, Lila, Loka. Right? And why we offer our respects to Bhaktisiddhanta Sasvari Thakur on this day and to His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada because that, you know, that's the Parampara system. And why Prabhupada wanted us to you know, honour Bhaktisiddhanta Sasvari because he's the, the guru pretty much giving us everything. And, and uh, delivering us from this soul-killing civilization where people don't even, you know, don't know anything. Right? What do they know? Uh, S22 Ultra. Right? Or what's the iPhone? 14X. Is it? I don't know. I'm, I keep up with Samsung now. I've dropped Apple a long time ago. But, you know, this is our advancement. The latest phone is our advancement or the latest, you know, motor car or whatever. Television, what, you know. But no soul and people are suffering as a consequence, really. So much anxiety, so much suicide, distress, we see it with the COVID situation. So many people in distress, they don't know what to do. But we have the answer. We know what people should be doing. Right? And it's our responsibility, following, in the, following the order, the instructions of Bhakti Siddhanta Sasvati Thakur, and following his example, we know what to do. Uh, and that's the that's his gone. Working together cooperatively, you know, and that's a hard that's quite advanced. Right? That's very advanced. <clears throat> you know, sometimes we think if everybody's not doing what I tell them to do, well, how can I be advanced? That's not what a guru does. Right? A guru is the, is the spiritual master. He tells everybody what to do. So if I'm going to be a spiritual master, then everybody should be listening to me. Right? That's not necessarily the case. If there's going to be a, a multiplicity, if there's going to be a, a sangha of devotees, and this is Prabhupada's mood, <clears throat> when Prabhupada was explaining, there's a very nice article in Dundabats that I read this morning. Prabhupada was explaining that poem that he wrote about Bhakti Siddhanta Sasvali Thakur. Uh, adore, adore ye all the. I, no, I can't remember the poem itself, but famous poem that Prabhupada wrote. And he said to his disciples, he said, And you will be. You will be gurus too. Right? And you'll be spiritual masters. So we should understand these instructions are also for us and that one day we'll also be spiritual masters. 
right? Think about that, right? But that means that doesn't mean that we'll all be telling each other what to do. No, we'll be instructing others. But we have to show the example of cooperation and coordination and organisation wherein we have a multiplicity of devotees guiding others and taking on the role of teachers effectively. You know, what is a guru? Is a teacher. Not somebody who tells everybody what to do. This is an upside-down notion. Of course, it was like that when Srila Prabhupada was here. He was, you know, Prabhupada was the... Uh, this. Although, it's interesting actually, Prabhupada did say to his disciples, I'm the Diksha Guru, you're the Siksha Guru. To the temple presidents and to the GBC, Prabhupada said, I'm the Diksha Guru. But, you know, how much did Srila Prabhupada instruct his disciples? How much did Srila Prabhupada give his association? He gave classes and travelled and uh, um, preached. But, you know, what was Prabhupada's main method of giving association and instruction? What was his main method? Anybody know? Yes, but what else? What was Prabhupada's main method of giving instruction? Books, books, right? Books. Prabhupada said, "I've left everything in my books." It was, and look at the effort that Prabhupada put into his books. But it was main, and it, you know, his the GBC intimate associates. He gave them personal instructions, but he then told them, "I'm the Diksha Guru. You're the Siksha Gurus. You go and instruct the others." In fact, Prabhupada famously wrote a letter to all of his disciples at one point and said, don't write me letters anymore. Right? Don't ask questions if you've got questions. Actually, one thing Prabhupada said, he said, when you read a book and you've got a question, don't ask it. Reread the book. <laughs> Reread the book and your questions will be answered. So, so you know, Work it out. <laughs> You've got intelligence. Use it, right? I guess Prabhupada was sick of hearing stupid questions, <laughs> which you do from time to time, right? Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, so Prabhupada said, you know, if you've got a question, read the book again. <laughs> but on other occasions he said, on another occasion he said, you've got questions... You know, don't ask me anymore. The, the GBC and the temple president, you know, the senior devotees in ISKCON, they're competent enough to answer these questions. You know, we think sometimes that, oh, we've got to get a guru from outside. But actually, within our community, there's dozens of devotees who know our philosophy. And they know it well. Right? It's not like, you know, we don't have spiritually advanced people in our community. We do. And if we didn't, that would mean Prabhupada's failed. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur's failed. But they haven't failed. Right? They have, you know, people might say, oh, there's no pure devotees in ISKCON. But, you know, just ignore that. And we, we don't hear that anyway. Right? There are actually many devotees qualified to be gurus. We'd have to be. Otherwise, it means we're not following Prabhupada. Is that right? Yeah. 
why then we need to, you know, meditate very deeply on the instructions of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, meditate deeply on the instructions of Srila Prabhupada. Because, and, and Prabhupada makes this point on, on Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur's appearance day. He made his point to his disciples, you will be gurus one day. And it's not difficult. How do you become a guru? What's the main qualification for being a guru? Anybody like to think? You should know this. This should be, you should be, should have an answer straight away. What is it? What's the main qualification for being a guru? Krishna? What's the main qualification for being a guru? Okay. Yeah, yes. You know, what Prabhupada says, first one is servant of Krishna. <laughs> right? Jivaras Varupoi Krishna Nichidas, right? So that's, a, but that also comes from that knowing the science of Krishna, right? And knowing the science of Krishna means you know that you're a servant of Krishna. And Prabhupada says it's not very difficult. You know, sometimes people make being a guru into a highfalutin thing, right? Oh, Prabhupada told me in a dream that I should be a guru. What are you talking about? Prabhupada's told all of us to be a gurus, not even in dreams. He's told all of us. And who can verify a dream anyway, you know? So, so um, we have that responsibility given to us by Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur via Srila Prabhupada. Give Krishna consciousness in English to the English-speaking world. That's it. That's a pretty basic instruction. And if you do that, if we do that, and, and we are doing that, right? Hands up those who are preaching. Krishna's just got his hand up. Good. Who's preaching? Who's not preaching? Raise your hands if you're not preaching. Uh, okay, so we can assume that since nobody's raised their hands that you're all preaching. So that means you're following in the footsteps of the previous acharyas and that effectively you're being a guru, whether you like it or not. But what a heavy responsibility. And within ISKCON, it means to work together cooperatively. This is one of the first, one of the first qualifications of being a guru is is that you do what the temple president tells you to do, <laughs> would you believe? Or the temple authorities, the temple structure, right? The head pajari, the kitchen manager, the, you know, the, we work together in other words. We have systems and we work together and when we make a rule, we all agree, okay, the temple executive has made a rule, we all follow it. Not that, oh, I'm a guru and I can do what I like. No, that's not what a guru does at all. Especially not within ISKCON. And this is really critical. Critical to our advancement and to our ability to improve the lives of others is that we work together cooperatively within the institution. Now, that appears to be something new, but actually it's not. Right? Cooperation, coordination, 
organization. Is that new? It's in the spiritual world, isn't it? People, there are people in charge of the kitchen, usually. Radharani's in charge of the kitchen, isn't she? Or Mother Yasoda. Somebody's got to be in charge of the kitchen. <laughs> right? And if you're not behaving properly in the kitchen, if you're not behaving properly in the kitchen, what happens at home? If you're not behaving properly in the kitchen, what happens? I know what happens. Mum kicks you out. <laughs> Get out of here. You're just a disturbance. Right? So if you look at it from the family point of view, if you look at ISKCON from a family point of view, we're a big family, but families need organisation. Dad's got to be in charge. Mum's got to be in charge, right? If you're misbehaving, if you're not doing your homework, then you have to be reprimanded. Huh? So we need... So, you know, this. sometimes people think, oh, it's not in the Shastra, you know, that we have to have an institution. But it's just common sense. And that comes from Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. It comes from Bhakti Vinod Thakur. It comes from our previous acharyas. It, it, it's, it's just, it appears to be new because, you know, this cooperation, working together, that's something, you know, that uh, perhaps wasn't there before. Right? There was a, a, adherence to following the acharya, right? But you had to, everybody had to do what he said rather than working together with a multiplicity of acharyas and that we all work cooperatively, which is a bigger, bigger challenge. That's a Mudjim, Mudjim platform. But of course, a Mudjim platform is also Uttam, approaching Uttama, the Uttama Bhakti. So interesting. Very interesting that what Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur envisaged, his disciples weren't actually able to do together. And because they appointed an acharya, poof, they became useless. But Srila Prabhupada, and it's interesting, isn't it? Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said of our Srila Prabhupada, he said, he likes to listen. He doesn't go away. I'll initiate him. That was Prabhupada's qualification. Right? But later on he said, he'll do everything. Right? Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvatitako was prescient, even though he must have been hugely disappointed by the misbehavior of his leading sannyasis. Right? Well, how discouraging. Because he said to Prabhupada, there will be a fire in the mutt. Right? Better to tear down the marble off the walls than have my disciples squabble over who's going to have the biggest room or the most prominent position. Right? This is why this idea of prominence and in charge and whatever is dangerous because it can be antithetical to, to spiritual advancement. Right? So, and, and Prabhupada makes a point, uh, again in this glorification of, of Bhakti Siddhanasasvati Thakur, that the disciple should always consider themselves a fool before their guru. Right? Even if you're, a, and Prabhupada says, even if you're a guru yourself, you're a teacher, you still remain a student. 
so that mood needs to be one of always dependency on the spiritual master and following the order of the spiritual master. But uh, uh, this idea or this, this the, you know, the notion of... Uh, Cooperation, coordination, um, organisation is a symptom of great advancement, actually. Even though it appears that you're subservient to the whole and so therefore, you know, not the master, but actually one becomes the master when you serve the, the, the whole. It's subtle, quite subtle. So we owe this, we owe the, in one sense, we owe the ISKCON institution to Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur and Bhaktivinoda Thakur and, of course, our Srila Prabhupada. Because even though uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur's mission, the Gaudiya mission, was destroyed by his disciples because they didn't follow him, our Srila Prabhupada understood Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur's purpose, right? And he was able to do it. And, and Bhaktisiddhanta, interestingly enough, recognised that and said in the future he will do everything, right? That's documented. He will do everything. Amazing, you know, when you think about it. And even Prabhupada, was, when he was in America, he was still trying to encourage his godbrothers to cooperate. And they were still telling him, no, you've got to do what we tell you to do. <laughs> and yet he was the one who did everything in the end. Some of them recognised it, but others couldn't, didn't, didn't and couldn't. They thought, they thought that our Prabhupada was actually destroying Vaishnav culture. And they criticised him for it. So, Bhaktisiddhanta Sasvari Thakur... Uh, Srila Prabhupada, Ki, Jai. Srila Prabhupada, Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada, Ki, Jai. It's also Gorki Shodas, oh, sorry, Gorgovinda Maharaj's disappearance day today. And uh, Gorgovinda Maharaj, very quickly, was a very interesting devotee because he was a Vaishnava all of his life. He grew up in Vaishnava culture in Arissa. Right? Very interesting. Grew up singing the songs of Naratam Dastak or Bhaktivinoda Thakur, you know, steeped in traditional Gaudiya Oriya uh, culture. Right? And so, and he was a teacher. As a young man, he was a teacher. Um, but had obviously, you know, leanings, inclinations towards uh, devotional service. And so uh, he um, had a desire to preach, to teach and preach, and um, wanted to be a sannyasi, and had left home, had, had, had wound up his household affairs and went to Vrindavan 
um, you know, in 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 for you know, it must have been forty, or, you know, later years, maybe even over fifty. And in Vrindavan met Srila Prabhupada, right? and then realised that he was his guru. He wasn't initiated. He'd taken the name Gora Gopal, but he wasn't initiated formally, as I understand, as it's narrated by some. And um, uh, took initiation from Srila Prabhupada, was given first and second, then six months later was given sannyas. And then Prabhupada told him, gave him the instruction, you know, you're an educated gentleman, translate, I want you to translate my books into Oriya, right? So Gorgavinda Maharaj went to uh, Bhubaneswara, we were given some land in Bhuvaneshwara uh, and it was there that he camped and he was translating Prabhupada's books, living in these, uh, like a tent almost. I remember going to Bhuvaneshwara and um, the devotee said, oh, here's the Iskon temple in Bhuvaneshwara and it was just some concrete coming out of the ground in the middle of a field, right? And I remember standing there thinking, what the hell are we doing here? Why? 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 <laughs> it just didn't make sense at all. Of course, now where the Iskon Temple is in Bhubaneswara, it's kind of like the centre of the, the centre of the city, which was completely inconceivable in those days. Um, and we travelled, we'd, we'd taken, I don't know, 24 hours by bus to get to that point, maybe longer actually. Uh, how far is Bhuvaneshwara from Puri? About an hour, right? Yeah, so we must have driven 30 hours by bus from Mayapur. Why we did it, it was a crazy trip. But anyway, we ended up in Bhuvaneshwara. Gurgavinda Maharaj was there and I was just looking, scratching my head thinking, what is this? Why? why what? doesn't make sense. Because, you know, Prabhupada said, you know, we should have temples in the busiest part of town. And here was the Bhuvaneshwara temple definitely not in the busiest part of town. It was out in, the, out in the middle of a field. But of course, Prabhupada had a vision. You know, this, it is now one of the most prominent locations in Bhuvaneshwara. Things change, right? So anyway, uh, Vinay Maharaj travelled and preached extensively. He knew Prabhupada's books inside out. He was a really good preacher, strong preacher and uh, um, uh, inspiring uh, preacher and um, um, visited Melbourne on more than one occasion. Um, there were a few conflicts with his disciples, <laughs> to say the least at the time. Interesting history. But uh, Gorgavinda Maharaj uh, remained uh, always, a, he, was, he was an inspiring preacher. And um, it was in Mayapur. He, he uh, it was, um, I was there, I was in the room next door. I was staying in the room next door. Um, no, not the room next door. No, yes, it was. It was the room next door. He was staying in, a, in what we now call the Sydney room and I was in the Melbourne room 
And uh, I remember it was the GBC meetings, and um, um, I remember hearing this ch chanting, you know, devotees chanting, with a kind of an urgency. And I thought, well, that's, uh, that doesn't sound that doesn't sound right. Uh, and it was coming from the room next door, and I went out and I looked around, and Maharaj had been preaching to some devotees. And they'd ask him, you know, why was they were asking about the essence of the of the of the of the Rathyatra. What 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 was the meaning of Rathyatra? And Maharaj had been explaining this and talking about the mood of Srimati Radharani, and then he'd started to feel uh, mm, discombobulated. I, I dis, you know, he was feeling unsettled, so he, he lay down. And, and it was then he left his body and the devotees were chanting. And I remember standing at the window. We were all chanting Hare Krishna. It was quite, it was quite uh, sublime. But then that night really went crazy. For some reason, some gundas attacked. Uh, the, 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 the alarm system went off. In my point, they have this siren on top of Jaipataka Maharaj's head, uh, rooms. Right? And they usually set that off if there's an emergency. Right? So, oh boy, it was a wild night, I tell you. But anyway, uh, Govinda Maharaj's departure was pretty auspicious. It was on Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur's appearance day. And, uh, you know, he was preaching in Mayapur. Uh, and of course, you know, it's a tragedy that we lose the association of the devotee, but Prabhupada says it's beautiful. Right? Just as the appearance day is beautiful, so is the disappearance. Right? Just like dawn is beautiful and sunset is beautiful. Right? So the, 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 the appearance and disappearance of a devotee is transcendental and appreciated, uh, relished if you like. So, auspicious day today. Any comments or questions? Boys, everything okay? Okay, what do you So, um, Chatriyas are meant to protect human beings. Vaishyas are meant to protect useful animals, especially cows. So next verse is text five. Kantaraj Shima Bhagavatam ki jai, Shila Prabhupada ki jai, Bhakti Siddhanta Saswari Thakur Prabhupada ki jai, Govinda Swami ki jai. Gora Bhakta Brinda Gijai.